Welcome to VCR, a vintage cinema rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Jason. And I'm Blake. And uh, remember, Blake, for this episode, no butter, no pastry, no sugar. We're on a diet. <laughs> I have a feeling they didn't say it like that. In yeah, the well, they were, yeah, it depends on their voices. It was repeated uh, twice, I think. Uh, whatever. Maybe I don't remember that actually. That that's it's yeah. It's a pretty funny quote and scene, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into it. Cool. Yeah, this is part two of the Marilyn Monroe month that we have. We're doing some like it hot. Probably Marilyn Monroe's most acclaimed film, and personally, my favorite of the two that we watched. I agree. That being the seventy-year inch, the one that held up the most as well, the yes. comedy of it. Yeah, the comedy holds up extraordinarily well. Like this was a really funny movie, and maybe one of the funniest endings to a movie I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, it's the up there. Final quote is yeah. incredible. Yeah, I, love, I died. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and just that actor was funny. But anyways, yeah, Oz good. Before we get into the movie, I have two quick show notes to just drop. The first is the reminder that we have the draft episode coming up in about a month's time now. I'm so excited about this. I've been working on it. I've got director, you've got genre, Genre, and then our buddy Mike has wildcard. And so we're drafting three movies around those categories, and then we're going to present them to you and each other. Uh, I have no idea what you're doing yet. You have no idea what I'm doing. I've started watching my movies. They're awesome, and I'm very excited to talk about them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the connections that each movie will have according to like how we each decide to go about it. It's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, and to see like where everybody ended up because I was going one direction initially and then I was worried that I might be dabbling too far into like maybe where you were heading with things and another direction I was like, ah, this might be dabbling too much into what Mike might be doing. So well, I'm trying to Yeah, it's gonna be exciting because I don't think we have an idea. Like we're we're probably gonna try to flip it on its head a little bit, but then yeah. also do it accurately. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. And I was I was thinking about like how far I could push the the limits of yeah. of what would be okay or not within our own rules. But anyway, so that's something to look forward to. The other thing I quickly wanted to mention in show notes is something that we were planning on talking about in the seven year itch episode, and then we both completely forgot. And that's how the scenes where we get the uh richard's imagination of the women that he has to like Mm. throw away how it's like a parody of romance films and romance novels i'm sure as well which it was really well done and i really appreciated the way that was done in the film yeah and it fits into his character because he's always editing those books too i didn't even connect that until Mm, right now yes but he's always editing those types of books and shortening them down to their most exciting scenes and turning up the uh like the heat on them too yeah so that's what he's doing in his mind throughout the movie i just i didn't even think about that that's a great connection i didn't think about that either but you're spot on that's exactly 
exactly where those come from. And yeah. so and so to see them parodied like they are yeah. is one of the highlights of that movie. <laughs> but we're not talking about that movie in full today. We've got Some Like It Hot, the movie from 1959. Billy Wilder. Yeah, another Billy Wilder film. Marilyn Monroe was the first uh, name up on the credits. So... Mm-hmm. One of her most important movies. So let's talk plot before we talk characters and people being people you may know first. <laughs> All right. So uh, two down on their luck musicians witness a mob hit in Chicago. They have to flee by joining an all-female band. They fake it till they make it in drag and go on an adventure down to Florida while trying to their hardest to uh, keep like one step ahead of the mob and keep up the ruse with the their bandmates. Shenanigans ensue after meeting a strikingly beautiful ukulele performer who is obviously Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Did you know that uh, there was going to be the mob aspect to this movie? Going Not in? at all. Neither did I. I knew about the cross-dressing and how that was a central idea and theme to the movie. But... I had no idea. Yeah. Really? Again, again, I had no... Like, going into these Maryland movies, I had no concept of what they could be because I've only heard, like, her referenced and the fact that, like, nobody's really knows much about her movies referenced. Right. But And, like, the, the photos and stills of her. But, again, like, the actual plot or anything to do with the movies, I, I haven't seen really referenced or uh, it isn't in... It isn't that ingrained in pop culture, whereas it's like just her persona that is in pop culture. So I went into this blind, cool. and so each little uh, like twist, like it was fun. And I thought the the mob side story that I mean it was crucial to pushing the plot forward and drove the plot. And it's based on a real event. Yeah, exactly. So it was just also to set up the setting, and they just kind of ran from there. Yeah. In a crazy way. And I, I I thought it added a lot of depth to the plot, and I really enjoyed that aspect of it as well. It was really cool how they opened the movie really without the main characters, and then we kind of had to, like, learn who the main characters were yeah, in, the, yeah. like, the first, like, five, ten minutes. Because the focus wasn't on them, it was more on, like, the mob story. Yeah, yeah. And that barely, like, it did, it only moved the plot forward in like key moments just to set up the story for the main characters yeah exactly and so the characters and people you may know so obviously marilyn monroe is our first character playing sugar she's the main singer and like the performer like she's the one doing the performance that is uh like put on by the band but she's like the centerpiece yeah and she's also like a little ditzy in this as well like she get always gets caught drinking she forgets to do things she like calls herself dumb and she like repeats repeatedly goes after the same type of guy and always gets uh, like winds up in trouble yeah which is really funny because she's explaining the kind of guy that is bad for her but she always ends up yeah. with to tony curtis's character who's full dressed in drag and is that person essentially yeah, yeah, in real exactly. life not in real life but in well in the movie in yeah. his his version of life yeah yeah marilyn monroe we've done a, a quite a 
in-depth discussion in the seven year itch episode for her so i didn't really want to go too much into detail again i think i think we did a good job of hitting like the highlights of her life but one- this is this is uh how many years later after um, uh, it's four years later yeah and quite a bit has changed in her life. Like, a lot of events, personal events have happened. Yeah. She and had the divorce with Joe DiMaggio, and then she ended up marrying, I believe, a screenwriter. And they actually had a relatively good marriage. He was considerably older than her, but I think they really appreciated one another. Mm. The one thing that I did want to mention about her life that I didn't know, and I, cause I was just reading up on some stuff after the fact, is she actually cut her honeymoon short with Joe DiMaggio, and they ended up going to Korea, and she ended up putting shows on for the troops in Korea. It was right. something that was really important to her. To I, rem- I remember like seeing the, uh, I don't know if they're photos or what about mm-hmm. Marilyn at, like in Korea. In, well, I didn't know it was Korea. I thought it was maybe Nam, but that was a different time period. <laughs> different time but period. But again, like, we're, like, this is so... This is 50 years ago, or more than 50 years ago yeah, it's like 70. for us. And this is another, like, really great role where she's utilized really well in the movie. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit later about maybe some behind-the-scenes issues that she had. Yeah. And obviously, again, we talked about some of those personal struggles she had in the last episode as well. And yeah, like, things have kind of progressed since what we talked about in the last episode a little bit to yeah, a certain degree. Yeah, things are definitely getting worse for her mentally at this point in time. Yeah. And also, like, some of the uh, substance abuse and stuff like that as well. Anyway, let's move on to some of our other characters. I'm going to start with Joe, who is also plays Josephine, who also plays shell oil jr yeah (laughs) um played by tony curtis who's one of the two bandmates who are on the run from the mob tony curtis is actually jamie lee curtis's dad and i just realized is also grace kelly's son so there's quite a family tree yeah long line and of great actors so josephine is the character that Tony Curtis is playing in drag that she's almost like exploring sugar and trying to like learn about sugar so that he can in shell oil uh, character become closer with her. Like she's convinced that she's going to go down to Florida with this band and find a nice young millionaire, like the son of a rich, like there's a bunch of old millionaires down there and she's just hoping that one of them has a handsome son and he's like hmm (laughs) yeah (laughs) i also saw that uh a million dollars back then was around nine million dollars us today Hmm. so it's a little bit different what a millionaire means back then as well there's a little bit more substance yeah weight to it yeah yeah exactly and the shell oil jr character is pretty hilarious yeah. the accent is really great um, and it goes it's a throwback to our yes. other uh almost favorite on the podcast character or actor yeah grant carrie grant yeah so when i heard that accent i was like it's not quite british yeah and it's, it's not like quite transatlantic exactly yeah. and so i'm sitting there like this accent is 
really familiar, but I can't picture where it is. And I read that online and went, yes, that he nailed it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, what I read online was that um, what everyone thinks that they're doing is Cary Grant's accent. Yeah. It's actually him doing Cary Grant's accent. Like, uh, what's his name? Oh, Tony Curtis Tony- doing <laughs> Cary Grant. Just a funny little comment. Yeah, probably because he's probably like enhanced it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's such a funny accent. It's a it's a really intriguing character. Yeah, <laughs> like that was my favorite person. I think mm-hmm. besides Marilyn for other reasons, like that character was so funny. So I'm going to argue as well that our other main character Jerry, who also plays Daphne, is also. One of the best characters in the movie. It's, yeah. It's pretty even par between it really the three of them. Is, Each yeah. of them have some really great moments. So Jerry, Daphne, are the other bandmate. <laughs> they, they have an unfortunate trajectory throughout this movie. They don't get yeah. as lucky in developing a relationship with Marilyn Monroe. Um, it's actually the eye of one of the actual rich millionaires that they yeah. catch. Yeah, and, yeah. And hijinks ensue from there, which are hilarious. And mm. that's where we get one of the, uh, one of my favorite endings of a comedy movie of all time. And they're played by Jack Lemon. Oh, I didn't actually mention what J- Tony Curtis is actually known, known for. Known for, yeah, yeah. for that. Um, so Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis actually didn't, a few other films together and they were huge at the time these guys yes, were this at was the their top. peak yeah. yeah this was their peak uh jack lemon went on to have a really interesting career throughout the uh 70s and 80s but tony curtis his peak was ri- right around this time he had a few other hits in the 60s and then his career really dropped off after that but he played one of the main characters in the sweet smell of success spartacus which is a film that i've talked about yeah. before and really enjoyed the persuaders and then he which is a tv show and like i said that his peak was around the 50s and 60s jack lemon is known as one of the most successful tragic comedians of his time um for playing characters who are tragic but also really funny he starred in several other billy wilder films um mm-hmm. on top of this and some of his later roles that you might know him from these are also kind of in the 80s so it's a little bit still back from our typical who you may know or where you may know them from but uh he was also in grumpy old man grumpy old men Mm -hmm. and the china syndrome which sounds like an interesting movie i really want to see the apartment also which is Mm. another um billy wilder classic billy wilder classic exactly so and i've heard of glengarry glenn ross I've heard it like referenced. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it, so that's like an area that I would like. I want to keep going with just this like area, but there's so many good areas of film. So I think this is something that's come up from this podcast that I never really thought about is how underappreciated movies from the 50s and 60s yeah, are. Yeah, really. Like, They're really good. Yeah, and they hold up surprisingly yeah. well. Yeah, some like it hot. They kind of started this concept of men dressing up as women and trying to fake it has been around for like centuries, basically, yes. if you go back in like history. Like Shakespeare even yeah, had yeah. acts or plays like that. Yeah. And then, but this was like the first really big film. Mainstream. Mainstream film that did that. 
and uh, like everybody our age has seen white girl or white chicks. Yes. And um, like even like Miss Doubtfire, things like that. Like yep. there's a bunch of like there's a lot of people who replicated this, but Billy Wilder really nailed how to do this without going too like lowbrow. Yeah. He like kept it like like it's not just jokes about men dressed as women. Yeah. There's so much more to it. It's not just like a base level men in drag sexual stuff like right. white like white chicks took it to the opposite of this yeah and that kind of makes sense that white chicks is very lowbrow humor and that's how also actually tony Curtis and jack lemon brought that to their roles a little bit yeah, too yeah. like they thought about what it would be like to be men dressing as women yeah. and they practiced a bit but they also held off from practicing some uh, yeah, too. I think we saw the same thing where yeah. they they actually had a person who dresses in drag regularly, like mm-hmm. a drag queen or something like that. Yeah, for that time, a uh, cabaret dancer, a male cabaret dancer, who, so that he was teaching them how to walk in heels, and either Jack Lemon or it was Jack Tony, Lemon. Yeah, yeah, it was Jack Lemon who was like, I don't want to learn exactly how to dr- like walk in heels as a woman would. I want to be in the movie as a man wearing heels. Yeah, and be the uncomfortable yeah. and not quite like Doing have it that right walk and the down. balance and yeah, yeah. Exactly. So there's a couple other characters that we should talk about and then there's one other actor that I want to quickly mention. So characters, we have to talk about Spats Colombo. He's the yeah. head of the mob syndicate that really pushes the plot forward. A, great name. Yeah. Um, B, all of the other names for all of the other mob characters in this movie are really great. Like we've got Toothpick Charlie, yeah. Little Bonaparte, and some some other characters as well that have similar yeah. names. Like Spats Colombo is kind of based on uh, Al Capone, apparently. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there's but one scene great name. near the beginning of the film that's actually directly related to something that happened in real life yeah, with Capone. Yeah. Did you see a name? in the opening credits that kind of maybe jogged your memory at all? No. Okay. So when the credits rolled, there was a name that popped up, Edward G. Robinson. And I thought, I know exactly who that is. And I spent the entire movie looking for him. He's the older guy in Soylent Green. Yes. Yes. Okay. I just, I just not in this movie. I looked all movie long and was like, where is he? So afterwards, I looked it up, and it's Edward G. Robinson Jr. It's his son. Holy shit. Who's the pair, like the, I can't remember what his name is. I'm going to. Oh, I thought it was going to be the uh, the bellhop, because that would be the, hilarious. It was the, like, Johnny Paradise, the, like, charismatic, like, guy who's also kind of, like, affiliated with the mob. He's the one who, like, jumps out of the... Uh, Cake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, film. yeah. So, he was Edward G. Robinson's son. Very rocky relationship. He had a really troubled life as the son of a famous parents because both his parents were famous Mm, and Uh, it's that early in history like in the 1900s where so you just neglect people his his (laughs) life it reflects a little bit um marilyn monroe's like they're they're almost kind of opposite in a way but they both meet pretty tragic ends this Hmm. is really his only significant role in film as well unfortunately i thought he did a great job in the role as well but just too many other struggles in life um 
to really do any more. He only died one year after the death of his father. Yeah, he was only he was in his forties. So, the director we've mentioned, Billy Wilder. This movie feels like a response to the Seven Year Itch. After like yeah, learning yeah. about the backstory of it and having With the them codes. having to make yeah the the haze, the haze code codes and having to make those significant edits to the screenplay. This movie was actually made without the approval of the Film Institute at this point in time. Hmm. So it had a little bit of a slightly different release, and that's why they were able to do things like have the cross-dressing and some of the other um, things in the movie, because that wasn't acceptable at that point in time. Okay. Bit of a trailblazer in terms of movies. And this was actually the movie that made the, the... film institute reevaluate and start to think about whether or not the Hayes code was still appropriate and so it took about five to ten years after the movie was released before it was finally abolished but things kind of loosened up over that time until that point okay uh there's this one character that i did want to mention just because i just stumbled upon his uh imdb sure harry wilson he's one of the gangsters the really like ugly looking body yeah. gangster. He has three hundred and forty six credits. Wow, acting credits. Yeah, that's wild. He was a very like he felt like a character actor that you would see in a lot of movies. Like mm-hmm. he had that face, he had that voice kind yeah, of thing yeah. that he like, would have those. He would always roles. be that gangster sidekick. Yeah, uh, like either like the second or third man to the. Uh, like the main villain. Yeah, pretty great screen presence yeah, from him. Yeah, yeah, and like he's just so noticeable. Yes. Like, like you look at him and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a face. Yeah. Who's this movie for? This is the Marilyn Monroe movie to watch, yeah, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. You could just watch the clips of her subway scene and you basically get everything great from the... Or yeah. Like everything referenceable or like worth knowing, I guess, from... The seven-year itch. The seven-year itch. But she just shines so yeah. bright in this. Like you're just staring at her, watching her be the person that she is on screen. Yeah, and so multi dimensional multi-talented like she's able to sing really well and her her performance is is notable noteworthy yeah Yeah, like and what i would say is like even she kind of recognized like she's an okay or a good singer she's a okay or good actor she's uh like a little bit of everything but she ties it all together in a way that only like she could Mm -hmm. because her presence is just so um, like gravitational. Yeah, exactly. Landmark movie to understand her career yeah. and her, why her performances are still to remembered or not remembered to this day. Yeah, yeah. So this is a pretty good romantic comedy. Yeah, um, yeah. and not a traditional romantic comedy, I would say. I either, agree. Yeah. Again. yeah, yeah. And that makes it kind of special. Like I'm glad I watched this with Jess. Um, her and mm. I really appreciated watching this one together. So I think you could also make an argument this is a pretty good date night movie because it's non-traditional. Let's say you're like 21 or 22 and you're in college and you you have like a first date with a girl 
or a guy who really likes movies, this would be a perfect first date material movie yes. for any young person to watch with someone who's like, I love film. Yeah. <laughs> like, and especially somebody perfect. who's never seen this movie and doesn't yeah. know a whole lot about it. Yeah, because there's so many old movies to watch, but this is one that would be really fun as like a first watch in like that kind of atmosphere. Yeah, it would be special. Yeah. Those are really my who and, and when to yeah, watch it. Yeah, like, like f- film junkies and Marilyn Monroe fans. Yeah, um, our top of the list. But I think this movie is so entertaining that just about anybody could watch it and yeah. gain a lot of <clears throat> value yeah, from it. Yeah. Would Kelvin watch it? I don't know if he'd watch it. Well, okay. For our I'm listeners. I'm going to walk that back. Yeah. So our friend Kelvin yeah. is a bit of a romantic. Oh, okay, yeah. So... In that aspect, I think if we explain to him how great of a romantic comedy this is, I think he would maybe actually watch it. I think the black and white, I can't remember. Yeah, the way it's filmed, black and white, I think that's going to maybe turn some people off at the beginning. But I I think that's something that once you watch a couple black and white movies, it becomes less apparent. You, yeah, it, you fade, like you zone into the movie and you forget that it's black and white. Exactly. Mostly, so yeah, if it's done well, yeah, I, which, and this was done by choice mm-hmm. and not because of technology. So yeah. that is where like it fits very well here. So that this would be a great starter for introducing someone into black and white film. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's rated one of the greatest movies of all time. So you're starting off on a pretty high note. Of course, yeah. Where to watch? So right now it's streaming through MGM's uh, kind of add-on channel through Prime. So you do have to get that additional subscription. Otherwise, you can rent it on a whole number of different platforms. Okay, I think that is the point in time where we cut her off right now. Uh as spoiler free as possible go and watch this movie go and watch this movie with a partner and come back and we're gonna talk a little bit more in depth about the film yeah let's get into it cool themes let's talk themes first obviously romance is kind of top of the list here and what's really interesting about the film and I'm going to say it right now. I had no idea where this movie was going throughout the film. Like, I had no idea how this was going to end. That's what I kept saying to Jess. Like, I don't think this is going to end well, but I really don't know how this is going to end. And it kind of ends like a little bit Hollywood, like movie magic kind of thing. In such a nice way. Yeah. It it ends in... It's believable, almost. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, without outlandish everything is leading up to the, the ending scene. Yeah, it worked. It worked really well. But... It's really interesting because there's a bit of trust and deception elements yeah, to yeah, that, yeah. right? Because uh, Tony Curtis's characters are basically like learning Marilyn Monroe's character and like her secrets, yeah. and then feeding them back to her in a manipulative way. Yeah, yeah. and it, like obviously not completely kosher on the up and up. Yeah, but. Like, in the end, their relationship just kind of works, and he, like, he even says at the end, he's like, you know, like, even though I lied to you, and, like, I wasn't honest with and who I, I am, am. Yeah, and that he was exactly the type of guy that she was trying to avoid. Yeah, and, and she was like, you know what, I don't even care. Yeah, like, like she accepted it. 
Yeah. Because he's like a certain version of that. Yeah. That isn't that bad. Like he's, he's overall a nice guy. Yeah, exactly. And then on the flip side, Jack Lemmon's character has the most hilarious trajectory with (laughs) Osgood's character and their romance. And that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is, and this has actually come up before, even a couple times now. Apparently, I'm a sucker for the scene where it flashes between two different storylines. And we get like two like very different I guess moods to them um, and what different characters are doing at different times because when Osgood and Daphne are dancing together and 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 it doesn't look like they're having a fun night and then we learn afterwards that they had like like amazing the best night ever (laughs) yeah like like his his face Daphne uh, Daphne's face as he's dancing with him it's so serious that you think that he's just like like I hate myself I just have to keep this ruse up but he's like after it's kind of revealed that he's actually like just so into it like he's he's he's, just had a really great night yeah he's he's become the character and the dance is serious (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) and he's kind of like singing like humming along the yeah yeah I was humming that all week to be honest (laughs) (laughs) there's kind of all of those elements and that's actually how the movie ends similarly with uh their their characters and makes for maybe the greatest line to end a comedy of all time yeah well nobody's perfect (laughs) yeah yeah and i have the photo up of like that final scene (laughs) so it kind of looks like jason seagal right there yeah i see what you mean yeah um jack lemon is what blake's referencing and uh yeah the osgood like that character was so funny yeah like he's like a creep but like a lovable creep he's the actual millionaire and he's been hitting on uh jack lemon's character this whole time and yeah it was just like a great they played well together Mm -hmm. on screen and then um yeah, just that ending. And honestly, like, the ending, Nobody's Perfect, kind of, like, sums up everybody's character. Yes, very because, well. Like, everybody is deeply flawed. Yeah, yeah. And then also, like, if you look past that, it's, like, the whole movie itself. Because, like, Marilyn, like, she had so many problems. Right, behind the camera. Yeah, and, like, the the problems with filming and everything, it all comes together with just that final line and it produced something amazing out of all of these flawed characters. Yeah, and funny enough, this is effects and filming, but we kind of weave between effects and filming and themes anyway. Yeah. Um, but the line itself actually was just a placeholder at the time. Like, they didn't think they were going to actually end the, end the movie on that. <laughs> they actually were like, we'll just put it there for now, and we'll come up with something better later. Yeah. And they couldn't ever come up with something better. <laughs> but it was perfect. It, it yeah, was so yeah. funny. I laughed out loud hard yeah, when yeah. That ha- he said that. Yeah, and honestly, like, for me, like, the, f- the first act of the movie felt very, like, I wasn't getting drawn in. Right. But, like, halfway through, I was like, this is actually pretty good. And then by the end, I was laughing that hard, and I was like, okay, that was a great fucking movie. Yeah, it's a movie that does take a little while to get going, and the direction of it, because they're setting up so many things. And what I really like about the movie 
is though that they take the time to set that stuff yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Because if you try to explain this person to somebody, and I think it did a good job explaining the plot, but when going into this, I knew that they were going to uh, cross dress for some sort of reason, and yeah. that they were going to end up in this musical group with Marilyn. Yeah. Um, but I was like, this is kind of like outlandish like i don't really understand how they're gonna jump through all these yeah, to yeah. end up in this situation and like the whole train scene you're like how does that connect because I, yeah. I remember seeing that um previously when we were looking at other when we were looking uh at carrie grant movies and deciding which one to do right yeah when we uh did the oscars earlier yeah the year. oscars yeah yeah but they take the time to explain it. Like, they set up the whole subplot or or maybe even main plot of the mob. They take the time to explain while this comedy group is mi- – or this music group is missing the two instruments that these guys just happen to play. Yeah. And they know that this group is missing that as well. Yeah. Um, but they can't get it in because they're men. Yeah. So there, there's all these, like, nice little connections that really tie the plot yeah. in well. With that setup, they set up so many recurring jokes, which were so enjoyable. Like yeah. the uh, oh, positive blood. Yes, like that, that comes was, up a few times. Yeah, yeah. Um, they just like the loop, callbacks. Yeah, the callbacks point. and uh, every little thing. It was just very good. So let's talk more effects and filming. Something we had talked about in the last episode was that Monroe specifically had in her contract that she would not do black and white films, that she looked better in color, so that was her preferred. Um, So that kind of surprised me when I started watching this movie because I was like, wait a second, this shouldn't be in black and white. But Billy Wilder actually convinced her to do it in black and white for this because of how bad uh, Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon yeah. looked in their makeup. Yeah, yeah. He showed her some test footage of them, and apparently she said they looked ghoulish. Yeah, um, like greenish and, uh, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, ghastly. Yeah, so it was actually done to make things look more realistic, which is cool because black and white, obviously, for modern day viewers, it's it's a less real looking approach. Yeah, film. yeah. But and this I, allowed that realism to still be there with them being in makeup. I was reading uh, a little bit about Roger Ebert recently, and he's been on record for saying that his preference would be that all movies be in black and white because he said it, it adds like uh, a mysticism to them a little bit. Mm. Like it makes them more fictional. And so yeah, it's like yeah. a dreamlike kind of film. And, and, and it... He said it. He prefers it in that medium for those kind of reasons, which is interesting. And it's similar to what we were saying about um, Seven Year Itch, where like uh, placing limits on certain aspects of either like writing or uh, filming, like whatever technique you're doing, setting limits kind of allows you to like explode the box kind of like you're you're yeah. supposed to stay within this box but then you do something that's so great within that box that right. like it's it's something better and that i think works here and that, i think that's probably also why like like marilyn trusted billy wilder to like be able to pull this off too yeah and she looked amazing the whole time yeah oh absolutely jess did say though she that she was more attractive in color than in black and white so <laughs> she made that oh comment. okay yeah <laughs> i think it i think it allowed her like expressions and um like gravitas kind of to shine a bit even mm-hmm. though like obviously 
like she looked absolutely amazing in Seven Year Itch. Mm-hmm. She did still in this, although there was like like some changes, but she became a little bit more of a woman, I guess. If that's a way, <laughs> we're getting deep here. Yeah, I don't know, but like she she filled out a little bit more for this role right. by this time in her life. So she's not like uh, like she's a little thicker, which is great for today's audiences. Um, <laughs> it was also kind of she kind of pushed that standard forward though as well, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was definitely something that she was known for. Yeah, yeah, true. Overall, yeah, and probably because of what she was like in this movie. And oh man, technical. If we're talking like uh, what's what's this section called again? Effects and filming? Effects and filming. Her dresses were phenomenal. Yeah, they were. Like they that, were really that, great. that, and like just the filming, um, like the lighting on her when she was singing that mm-hmm. one, uh, the like most famous song of her singing, like it was like a sadder song. I forget what it was called what, at the moment. Like when she was singing on the piano at the yeah, end? Yeah, yeah. Like that, the filming was just great. Like the lighting yes. of... It, it, like, it did it add like, like a... It was magical. Yeah, it like centered on her face and like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just a great scene there. And you're right that it probably does work out a little bit better in that black and white in that sense. And that's where we saw in Harakiri when we did that episode yeah. that you can utilize the black and white a little bit different. Yeah, so, yeah, the contrast and the focus it all changed. It, it becomes easier to focus certain things, and like you're not like a lot of the time when Marilyn's on screen, you're just wowed by her beauty, and yeah. then uh, in this, you actually like just take away a little bit of that color, and you could see like her more so. Yeah, and we. It would be cool to see a little bit more black and white come back yeah. in today's world. Um, it, like the only recent movies that I know of are like the uh, Sin Cities, and those yeah, are and they were done phenomenal. extraordinarily well, except for maybe the blood in them. But besides that, because right. it is more car- uh, comic booky. But yeah, still besides great that, movies. Yeah, great reference too. I wasn't thinking about Sin City. Oh, phenomenal! So. Marilyn Monroe was actually the one who heard that they were doing this movie and uh, was really interested in making it. Like, Billy Wilder wasn't even considering her for the part because they didn't even think they could get her. They think she, they yeah, thought yeah. she was too She's big too of a big, star at this yeah. point. And um, he had already worked with her, right? So, yeah, and so, so she, like, he had he, already known some of the problems yeah, that he had like, going he in. Had all, like, he literally said that um, he didn't want to work with any... Of like that type of like star again. prominent actor, yeah. It's yeah, not prominent. Like he'd be fun working with difficult. any prom. Yeah, difficult. That's that's what uh, he swore that he would never work with the fragile and unpredictable star again. There were so many issues with the technical filming of this film, but because of her, um, the problems she was going through at the time. She was. At this point, deep into her addiction with various prescription pills. Barbiturates. Yeah. And uh, so she was having a lot of like memory problems and, and not being able to focus and stay concentrated throughout the filming of it. She was late again, which was a problem in the seven Constant, year itch yeah. constantly. And really couldn't memorize mm. her lines because of all the mental health yeah, stuff she, she had was, going on. She was struggling with depression after suffering a miscarriage in 1957, mm. um, which developed, like, in her it developed insomnia, drinking, putting on weight, and she overdosed on barbiturates twice in 1958. Oh, I didn't um, realize that as well. So, like, there was a lot there. 
so like yeah there's pressure because of all of that with her relationship with Arthur Miller yeah there's all kinds of problems that, like all all kinds of things that she was dealing with they they made it work for this film by doing things to like like it took 50 takes for some of the shots yeah upwards and, of like and it's little stuff too that you wouldn't think of like when she delivers the line it's me sugar mm-hmm. uh that took like 47 tries because she kept saying like sugar it's me or it's sugar me <laughs> yeah like <laughs> Like, weird yeah. stuff like that, just, her mind wasn't firing on all yeah. cylinders at this yeah. point. Yeah, and, like, sometimes she would just stay in her uh, dressing room or trailer for, like, the whole night and not come out to shoot. And then another thing, um, I forget which scene it was, but there was a scene where she had, like, another, like, small set of lines. Oh, she was yes, looking for the whiskey. Were, yeah, when they were in the in washroom. The drawers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She just kept saying, like, uh, I'm looking for the bourbon or the whiskey. Like, she couldn't get the line right. Yeah. So they had to write it inside of each drawer. So for, they started with writing yeah. in the drawer that she was supposed to open, but yeah. then she couldn't remember which, which drawer, drawer to open. open. Yeah. So they put in every drawer, yeah. and yeah. she still couldn't quite get it, yeah. which is tragic. It's sad. Yeah. I shouldn't yeah. be laughing at it. But actually, uh, in terms of performances, Tody. Curtis was asked why his character was so much more feminine than Jack Lemon's character. And he said that the reason why it came across like that is because he was so scared to be playing a woman that basically like he just became like really stiff and tightly wound and, and, like, and he became more like timid shy. And, yeah, yeah, timid yeah. and shy. Lemon was just like more like fluid in the role like he was having fun with it a lot more and so that like had the flip side where his body language comes off more masculine because of that because he isn't really overthinking it yeah yeah which is funny like especially was it his character who's like i'm a girl i'm a girl yeah because he had he had to like convince himself like (laughs) i'm a girl and that works so perfectly with like how he actually was acting it yeah and then we get the part like later um where he's like i'm a man i'm I'm a a boy i'm a boy (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. that's a great callback scene yeah Actually, on that note as well, when the announcement of their engagement happens, Mm. the test audiences laugh so hard that they miss all of the dialogue in that scene. For the following scenes, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And that's why they added the maraca scene in, which is like one of the worst scenes if you were to like rank all the scenes it's uh-huh. one of the least liked scenes from mm. the film i've seen it like referenced really? after in ref- like in researching after mm. like people are like the whole movie was great except for that dumbass uh, maraca <laughs> scene and it turns out like that was added in just because audiences of the time were laughing their asses off so hard yeah that they couldn't hear anything yeah. else that was following yeah, that so they so. had to have like a filler scene <laughs> so that they could continue after that for the audience to die down yeah which is awesome mm. um and even like maybe even early to like the sitcom um laugh track kind of deal yeah right? yeah like, yeah where they have you have to like break pause, in between yeah, but it was for, because of like actual laughter and yeah. not just like added in laughter yeah yeah that's like the big effects and filming points that i wanted to make so do i think i would talk about the set the yeah. um the hotel is uh they call it like in the movie it's called the uh seminole ritz hotel yeah and it's in florida down in the film. yeah 
And uh, so they they filmed all the outside locations at an actual hotel called Hotel de, del Coronado. Mm-hmm. And it just looked perfect. Like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is so, like, iconic 1929, like, the architecture and everything. Yes. I just loved it because it set the time just as much as, like, all the stuff in Chicago. But, like, that could have been faked really well. Right. The Hotel del Car- Coronado is really interesting just because it's um, a real place that basically stood the test of time mm. due to, I think it was World War II. Like, th- they kind of abandoned it during World War II or something like that. Oh, interesting. And then they came back and it was sudden, like, it was still in its same shape. Uh-huh. Like, all of like all of the structure and everything was great, so they updated it a little bit. Mm. And then... Um, like they just repainted it or something, but it was still basically in the same state that it was in like 1929 after like the stock market crash. They didn't like update anything. Oh, interesting. So that's one of like that. That's why that hotel was chosen because it fit the exact time because that was the like one of the biggest hotels at that time. Right. And so it was like just the perfect setting for that whole Florida um, adventure that they go on. Yeah, and the setting and the time period in which this movie takes place is really well done. Like it builds like a nostalgia for that mm-hmm. time. Um, it'd be even like, even in the fifties, it would have. Yeah, and now as well. Yeah. yeah, it's cool, and I really like when films do that because it it makes them less of a product of their time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to make it like take place in the past because you don't get. It doesn't get shoehorned like it. It's not like a movie that maybe the music doesn't quite work because it's music that's held up since yeah, then. Yeah, that, yeah, That still works and that you recognize and you think about that time period in which it's from. Um, it's yeah. not like music that's you know maybe outdated at this point or like I don't know taboo or something like that. Yeah, kind of thing, yeah. Right? If we watch some movies from like the mid two thousands and some of their scores, if they used like music around then, it would probably like date the movie and not yeah, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, like the jazz that the the band was set around is yeah. so like classically um demure that like it it works because it's always similar the same the phrase some like it hot i might i'm probably not going to get this right uh-huh. but the way jazz was introduced at like in the 1920s and like the way it's remembered by people at that time who would have ended up watching this movie the phrase was like some like their music sweet some like it hot and yeah. that's how jazz came in like jazz came in as like a hot new musical style right because it was so like catchy and raw and like uh new so mm-hmm. that's where the the freight like the uh, movie's title comes from too yeah and so we're moving into score here a little bit and you're right like the jazz is utilized really well yeah <laughs> <laughs> um it's utilized really well it's like that 20 j- 20s 1920s jazz that I really like, I don't know, I really jammed with. It was good. Um, I'm a big fan of jazz. Yeah. So they were using like sharp, brassy strings, and that was to create tension during certain scenes and certain moments, especially like when the gangsters appeared. Like, I, I really appreciated the way that it was done. And again, it, like, it's a little bit that uh, nostalgia feel for that earlier time period. And Marilyn Monroe playing the ukulele was yeah. 
fun to watch. And like too. she she looked like she was having fun with it, like dancing along with it. Yeah. And then like the uh like Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis were like like he was like spinning the uh cello not the cello, the what did, what was it? Um, it was a bowed flute? Bowed oh, f- I forget exactly what it is. They call like they reference it a bunch in the movie. And the like the bullet holes in it were awesome. <laughs> yeah, the bullet holes yeah. were a nice touch. Yeah. And they come back later. It's another callback to earlier in the film and ties like the plot together really yeah, well. Yeah. And like that's another thing where like they actually um this is like a scene favorite thing. I'm sorry to shove it in here, but No, no the, worries. Um when they're climbing down the outside after they realize that the gangsters are there yeah at the hotel um they like go past their window and the, like they're almost caught they pretend to keep going and then they come back up like that was like like i was like like thank you like why do why does everybody always like keep going when they're obviously going to be caught they like came back in the window right so like they they just planned it all so well like, yeah, was, they were pretty intuitive characters. Yeah, like, yeah, they knew exactly. Where, they knew what to do in certain moments. Um, and that probably speaks to, like, the past troubles they, they've been in, right? Because, yeah. they like, they owe a bunch of money to a bunch of other people in Chicago. Yeah, they and bet their coats like, already, like, <laughs> yeah. the overcoats. Yeah. I like the Grease Lightning reference early in there. I actually oh, looked I that, that up. Yeah, the dog that they bet on during the race with the horse was named Grease Lightning. Oh, no way. Yeah, uh, huh. which I actually looked up and the movie Grease Lightning isn't a reference or to Grease. that. Yeah, 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 Grease Lightning is actually a term from like the 1800s when they were first like dabbling with machinery. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, it was a, it was cool to read that up on yeah. that. Huh. Look back at the times. Did you watch the trailer for this? No, I didn't. I did, and I really enjoyed it. And part of the reason why is because the tagline, um, it's like very old-timey trailer, and like there's taglines that just pop up yeah, on Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. So the tagline for the movie is, Not since Scarface, so much action. And that's oh. where they're showing like the, the mob stuff. Yeah. And then it goes, Not since the Marx Brothers, so much comedy. Ah, uh, okay. And then the last one is... Not since the seven-year itch, so much Maryland. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> really great tag. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Huh. So Legacy. This movie wasn't produced with the approval from the Motion Picture Production Code, the people who enforced the Hayes Code. Uh, and the reason for that is because there's the LGBT-related themes throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, like the cross-dressing, for example. And even how, like... Daphne, Jack Lemmon's character, and Osgood may end up together at the end of that Potentially, movie. Potentially, yeah, yeah. This is kind of that pivotal point in time with movies. So this movie is pretty important to cinema and cinematic history because it, it, it's... It the, allowed for so much more to come after it. Yeah, it's yeah. the great like tipping point of, of when like taboo topics, like this stuff that isn't accepted yet in larger society it Mm. can actually be shown on the screen yeah it's like what they could have done with seven year itch Mm. they actually did in a different context in this and spoilers for one of my movies in the draft similar in how they approach certain topics way ahead of their time spoilers Uh, yeah something to look forward to i gotta sprinkle a little bit of stuff in as i go so The legacy of this movie is that 
it's considered now to be one of the best movies of all time. It's actually on Roger Ebert's greatest film list, which he He's usually would well release. Well-respected, yeah. Yeah, one of the most well-respected film critics of all time. And he would have like one or two movies absolute max that he would add in every year to his greatest list movie. And this one made it in. It, mm. it took a few years for him to really appreciate the film, but it was something that he came back to over time and was like, you know what? Not since the seven-year itch, so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very important to comedy and and even just acceptance of some of the topics and, and how to portray them later in history. Yeah, yeah. Sequels, prequels, and reboots. So the film is based on a 1935 French film called Fanfare of Love. Really mm. interesting. At the time, they couldn't actually get the screenplay from it it was kind of lost at that point oh, in time wow. uh so they actually adapted it from the 1951 german remake huh. so originally in french adapted into german and then they d- adapted a different adaptation from the german version that's into English. A- that's hilarious because the french version would have been super sexual yeah. the, the german version would have been very like blunt i don't know what kind of humor for that time but they're huh. like maybe humor humorless <laughs> and then uh they just adapted it to be what it was and like yeah huh interesting yeah. and something of note though that's really important that billy wilder contributed to the film is that he wrote and added that gangster subplot into okay the film. yeah yeah and i think that was pretty he americanized that yeah for sure yeah, yeah. well yeah. and it makes it it definitely makes it an American film, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. it takes place at like a crucial point in American history, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, and something that's just really important to understanding American history and America today. Mm-hmm. Uh, built on blood, yeah, <laughs> blood and uh, prohibition whiskey. Prohibition whiskey. After that, subsequent to this, 1972, there was a musical that was released that was based on the film called Sugar, and it started Ah. on Broadway. Excitingly, if you're a fan of Broadway, Sugar is coming to Broadway again later this year. Oh, shit. So you can check that out in November. That's unreal. And uh, also to bring that up again, the Marilyn biopic. Yes, which is coming to Netflix in September, uh, starring Anna de Armas, and I'm really excited to watch that at this point. That's going to be something that releases, and I'm going to watch it the night of release, I think. How are are they going to... This might be wrong to say, but how are they going to make Anna de Armas thick enough? (laughs) That might be wrong to say. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I've heard early screenings, people weren't fully on board with her acting yeah however it's a really interesting analysis of her character as well because marilyn monroe wasn't completely enthused about playing the character of marilyn monroe because sorry anna darmus wasn't no marilyn monroe wasn't didn't she had her whole persona right like the marilyn yeah, monroe yeah. persona was so different from who she felt she Actually, was as a yeah, person yeah, yeah. that she really struggled with that because she had like two personalities right okay her yeah, yeah. personality that she portrayed outwardly the world. and who she was yeah yeah and honestly i think i think um you don't have to have like a perfect marilyn monroe body double to get the effect of that Marilyn had on becoming the icon that she is yeah. because it's all about, obviously her beauty is an aspect, but she had this presence and like, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost undescribable. 
that and she was a pretty smart business person too right like yeah yeah she she advocated for herself at a time where women were lesser on the screen like they were less important yeah and she like built in like she started her own production company and things like that to address that exactly yeah so i retracted my previous statement Well, and that was something that she didn't want to be remembered as either, right? Just a blonde bimbo. And yeah, that was yeah. something that was really important to her to evolve yeah. as a character in her films. Yeah, exactly. Uh, imagine how far she could have gone if she kept going. Like, I know. It's it's so tragic yeah. how her life was cut so short. Yeah. And, and there's so many people throughout history. So many, like, creative individuals who we didn't get enough time with. Yeah. One other version of this film that I do want to mention is the Bollywood version that came oh. out in 1975 called Rafu Shakar. Huh. So if you're interested in a Bollywood spin on this, and I actually think that it was received fairly well as well, hmm. uh, you could go check that out as well. Interesting. That, Less Maryland. could be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then there's white chicks. <laughs> and there's white chicks. Like, it's obviously connected. Like, it's obviously inspired yeah, by, but yeah. I didn't realize, like, how how prevalent the the idea and the theme of cross-dressing has as been a, throughout. As a like, comedic thing, yeah. Yeah, like, it's throughout never, human history. Yeah, like, it's purely comedic. There's never any, like, serious movies about it unless it's like maybe a biopic or something like that or Mm -hmm. a documentary about real people but like it's been there for so long we're at a like a tipping point almost where like would it continue to be fun or funny in the future who knows like Mm -hmm. could white chicks be made today that's a question and a half that i I think think, sorry i think uh some like it hot could be made today because it's not focused on like the intricacies and like the differences and like it's not focused on the sexuality it's not like uh making fun of anybody it's just like situational humor that they elevated but if it was made today could they do it right i think there'd be a lot of pressure to do it right and and that pressure who could pull that off exactly exactly and who would want to pull that off yeah like who who would want to Test test those waters today. Exactly. Because you could really tank your career if if something comes out that's not up. We've we've exited the parody period of like the early two thousands with all those like like superhero movie and uh the scream parody ones. What are those called? Yeah, like the horror like a scream. Like it's like a parody horror. Well yeah, Scream is, but then they took it a step further with the Oh scary movie. Scary movie, yeah. Yeah, which is a parody of a parody, basically. Yeah. yeah. So like so like though that era is over and now it would be frowned upon. Like white chicks, could it be done again? I don't think so. I don't know. I'm but, sure there would be a lot of backlash. Yeah, with but, it but out. like everything's cyclical. So maybe in 2059, 100 years after this movie came out, they'll be able to just nail it. That'd be <laughs> hilarious. Let's talk our personal review in the partner factor. All right. Just I both really enjoyed this movie, and I, I would rewatch this in a heartbeat. I want to watch this with Annabelle. 
just because of our schedules, she couldn't watch any of it. Like sometimes she comes in halfway or sometimes she's working on something and I'm watching it and I see her just staring at the TV while she should be typing. Right. And she's like fully engrossed. Yep. It didn't happen this week. So like it just couldn't like she, I think she would love this one. And I think it would break that like little barrier that she has between old movies. Yes. Because it is so timeless. Yeah, it is very timeless. And I'm glad you mentioned that again, because I do think that this may be the old movie barrier breaker. Mm -hmm. Like, the very unique, this might be the only film on our list at this point in time. And... Uh, know what I would I would say like really hooked me like the the thing that hooked me the most was when Tony Curtis was being the uh, millionaire and yes. he, and Marilyn went out to the yacht and that whole <laughs> oh my god that whole scene of him pretending like he he went almost too far like just <laughs> just all like I was like stop stop going so far into this act that you can't feel anything for the other uh, sex yeah. and like like like. <laughs> I was like, like, how is he going this far? There's just so many gags involved. That <laughs> yeah. When, when he's on the boat and he opens the door and he's like, and this is the closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, my favorite one, my the, the the line that I wrote down that was my absolute favorite was um like he's pretending to be this rich guy who went to like Eton or like one of the British schools, or right. whatever. Marilyn's like, like he mentions water polo, and Marilyn is like, um. Like wa- <laughs> yeah, water, water polo. Exactly yeah. Marilyn's like water polo. Isn't that like such a dangerous sport? And she's all like in awe of him. And he's yeah. like, yeah, two ponies drowned under me. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, like because he, like he's such a low like class person. Yeah. Acting so perfectly as this rich guy and he knows that she has no idea and like polo is played on horses but water polo isn't yeah (laughs) that was just so perfect absolutely perfect it's said so seriously and nobody reacts to it yeah yeah so it takes you a second to be like wait wait did she just say yeah yeah uh, there's so many lines like that that just nail the comedy. Punch. They just punch. Yeah. They're very punchy lines. Yeah, and like above their weight, and you have to think mm-hmm. about it. You know what Jack Lemon's character reminded me of, or other portrayals? The Marion Pippin of Lord of the Rings. Like, yeah. he had that same kind of, I don't know. S- if smartness yeah. is quite it, but just yeah. the comedic timing. Like the and, quickness and the timing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And just like the bubbliness to his character yeah, yeah. is really reminds me of them. And like that whole scene with, um, it was Sugar and Junior as Tony Curtis was playing when Sugar, like they go into the boat and there's a big Marlin on the wall. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Sugar's admiring the large fish trophy and she's like, what is it? And Junior's like, it's a member of the herring family. And then Sugar's like, a herring, isn't it amazing how they get those big fish into those little glass jars? And then he's like, they shrink when they're marinated. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like he's just so quick at yeah. delivering those like punchy lines like you said it's just like so dumb but she's so dumb at, at, like 
and so unsophisticated. Yeah, like, and both so, of them are. Yeah. And he's just so convincing with that accent, playing the, playing Gar- the Cary small Grant. Cary Grant character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> so perfect. Oh, man. I don't know. What, are we in a certain section, or are we talking just, about all of this? We're wrapping up right now, yeah, talking okay. our favorite scenes and yeah. quotes. Honestly, that whole scene of him playing Junior mm-hmm. on the boat is perfect yeah that's that one is, of the highlights for you eh? yeah 100 percent. like that like i want to like show that to everybody interaction a lot as well like when they're on the beach and he's like making up the stuff where she's like yeah. why do you have all these shells because he tells the kid to yeah, scram like, basically yeah yeah and, and he's just oh, like I collect them <laughs> yeah <laughs> it reminds me of the company that we own that made me who i am today yeah. you're from shell <laughs> <laughs> just so perfect yeah <laughs> And, like, honestly, like, the way he was, like, I can't feel anything for women. Like, yeah. like, like, like the, he kept it going so long that, like, eventually I was, I was laughing at the concept. Yes. Like, same. so hard. So, I, I really appreciate it as well. Again, it's a really stark contrast to the seven-year itch. And yeah, I'm glad we yeah. watched them because I think it added to the comedic aspects yeah, of their characters exactly, as yeah. well. Maybe we do say you should watch the seven-year itch and watch these as back-to-back films. Yeah, yeah. And and it might add to the humor of this movie. Even just like the little thing of um is it Joe who's with Sugar? Joe is Tony Curtis. Yeah, okay. Josephine. So, yeah, so Shell Oil. Yeah. So um <laughs> when he's being Shell Oil, he can't start the boat and like have it go <laughs> forward. He just backs I it up. So yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> It's so funny because I recently did that on a golf trip. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we had to back out of a zone, and I ended up just backing up through the entire course. And, like, all these people who are professional golfers were looking at me, yeah, like, yeah. so offended by yeah. it. Yeah, and, like, you were just doing, like... I was doing it for, like, comedic purposes. Yeah. Like, back, like literally, like, facing backwards, like, so serious, yeah. like, driving everywhere. <laughs> Another thing from the beginning of the movie that is a culture shock mm-hmm. for uh, potentially males today is just the way the two characters yep. were holding hands so often. Yeah, they were like very like uh, come on, like they're yeah. like come with me, and like they hold held hands. They're very familial, very, and I think that's something we've lost in North America because like when I went across, like when I've worked overseas. Uh-huh. Like, men were so much closer and touchier. Like, you could... Really? Like, the cultures where, like, the men... Like, sometimes the women would go up and dance to a certain song, and then the men would go up and dance to a certain song in Cyprus. Uh And, like, the men would all, like, hold each other, like, and, like, dance, like, holding hands and stuff. But, like, it was a very fun, familial, like, fraternal thing. And uh, just seeing that in this reminded me that, like, shit, we've lost that as a society. (laughs) And it's so funny, too, because, like, the older generations say, like, you know, like, we were more masculine than people are today and men are today. But then we see that in this in the 50s and how their characters and their friendship is portrayed. It's a lot more. It's a difference of masculinity, I think. Like, we still were, like, we were more okay with like masculinity and femininity at the same there wasn't this separation as much or something like there was just being fraternal and familial and yeah. we've kind of lost that not to get all serious for such a funny movie but no but it is an interesting take i'm glad you brought it up i always struggle with this because 
comedy is kind of a lot of like you have to be there um, yeah yeah to to really reiterate stuff but my favorite scene is definitely the end um where everything kind of works out and each of the character has their their coming out moment where they talk to their other person and and explain like how they've been yeah, dishonest and, yeah. and things kind of and things work out really well and I didn't think that the movie could land that properly because yeah. it was really hard especially like knowing the plot points of Marilyn's character Sugar being stuck in these relationships with these deadbeat guys and how they mistreated her and, uh, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and knowing Tony's character was somebody who did that like he previously. was yeah like like it was like he was manipulating her and everything but he was actually doing it in a good place but like that's like a risky move to take yeah. obviously yeah and it's something that i guess that that's maybe one thing that feels slightly a little bit maybe too yeah. hollywoodish of yeah. the 50s like i don't think you could land that today yeah yeah the same way without having like just the amazing ending lines of the film. Yeah, yeah, I have the whole uh, transcript from that. The All last. Right, I'm gonna lines. pull it up too. Let's do it. Who do you okay. want to be? I'll be Jerry. You be Osgood. All or right. Sounds the other good. way around. Whatever. No, you, okay. you, you got to put on your Jerry voice. As Geraldine. Well. Yeah, your Geraldine voice. Okay. Oh no, you don't, Osgood. I'm gonna level with you. We can't get married at all. Why not? Well, in the first place, I'm not a natural blonde. Doesn't matter. I, s- I smoke. I smoke all the time. I don't care. Well, I have a terrible past. For three years now, I've been living with a saxophone player. I forgive you. I can never have children. We can adopt some. But you don't understand, Osgood. Oh. Jerry finally gives up and pulls off his wig. <laughs> I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> And that dumb smile he's yeah. got on his face as they're driving him with. Yeah. <laughs> that's that so and perfect. Jerry kind of sits back and he looks at like forward at the screen like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's like, like uh, Jerry looks on with disbelief as Osgood continues smiling with indifference. Yeah. <laughs> like how the movie ends. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Like, I honestly loved that because it wasn't what I was expecting and uh-huh. like there, there didn't have to be any anything else and they it was so funny and like it's it's a great way to end a movie is on like the highest laugh of the film yeah yeah um and that's like i said that's so hard to do and and they just nailed the the ending besides that i have another great line from near the end okay Uh, let's do that and then we want to wrap up okay yeah just like this is like a perfect line for anybody to say to their uh, significant other that I loved from this. It was Shell Oil guy Jr. Mm-hmm. was uh, waiting a little like he, he he pulls up on the bicycle just as Marilyn shows up at the docks and he's pretending to that he was just waiting there. And, <laughs> yes, and he the pulls earring. off his earring. I was so yeah, afraid yeah. for him. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I was anxious for him that he wasn't gonna pull off the earrings. And then he's sitting there like all suave waiting for her. And he, Marilyn's like, I'm sorry to make you wait. And then he's like, um, "Like it's not how long you wait. It's who you're waiting for. And it was just like a, such a perfect line. And then it gets repeated when he can't drive the f- boat forwards. He <laughs> has to drive it backwards. And he's like, sir, it's going to take a little bit longer. Yeah. And then uh, Marilyn throws it back at him. And mm. he, she's like, it's not how long it takes. It's where... 
Who you're going with? No, it's who who takes you. Oh, who takes and you it, there. And it, no, it's who takes oh, you. Okay. So <laughs> it, it's so sexual and like mm. so charged mm-hmm. because she's like she's trying to be this woman for him yeah. and he's trying to be this man who's also being a woman for him but in this moment he's being a man for her and like it was just such a like a, a an awesome moment where like he threw that at her and then she threw it back in such like a a suave sexy way like such a Marilyn way like full of that gravitas and everything that she just naturally like imbues in a scene yeah and I love how her character is also trying to set up both of their character like female characters yeah yeah um I think that's a really also like great little plot point yeah and Uh, and how they're helping uh Jerry's character out with Oscar yeah yeah I have okay. I have a question for you because I thought about this at the beginning of the movie, and I I don't know where I land on this. Do you think this is a buddy movie? Yeah, I th- I think I can like say it's I was a buddy gonna movie I was well. gonna mention that as well because like it's it's a buddy movie that gets mixed up. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah, because uh, and like, but they really are buddies for each other because like obviously they have a certain dynamic in their relationship, but. The way it seems, at least, is that Daphne is going to go off with this rich guy. And it seemed like when he was so serious, or when she was so serious, yeah, she was just doing it so that Joe could be with Marilyn. Right. And uh, then we find out that he was serious because he's actually falling for the <laughs> ruse. Yeah. He's, he's convinced himself that he's going <laughs> to marry this millionaire and that he's just such a pretty girl and like whatever. I, yeah. I'm engaged. Congrats. Who's the lucky girl? I am. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, that was another laugh out loud moment. Yeah. For me. Yeah. 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 I think this would be a buddy, a buddy movie to fit along like. The Blues Brothers and yeah. even um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I think I could watch this with like a friend and and both of us really enjoy it, even though there's yeah. like a lot of romance and romantic yeah, yeah. aspects and elements to the movie. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, I think I'd rather watch it with like significant other, oh, but definitely. buddies would be fine too. Yeah, you'd if you were in the right kind of mood to have some laugh out loud laughs with a friend. Yeah, I, I yeah. think this is something where you could definitely get. And that. like again, if especially if you're like trying to introduce a friend to like an old movie, like yeah. watching a, a black and white movie and realizing that it's not so like whatever they think a black and white movie is supposed to be. Right. Yeah, definitely. All right, I think that's everything that I really want to talk about. I do want to announce the next episode and and the movie that we're doing next. So our next film is going to be a foreign film. As well, uh, something different on the episode or on the podcast is we're actually going to have Mike join me on the podcast uh, and him and I are going to actually discuss the film and and get him up to to the level with us yeah get us get them up to speed so that we can do the draft episode um together all three of us and so i let mike pick the movie and we're doing the 1963 italian foreign film eight and a half uh which is a surrealist comedy drama apparently one of the most influential movies of all time and I don't know why. I don't know much about the movie going in. Um, so I'm really excited for it. 
he said he watched it a few years ago, so he has some fond memories of it. So hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what he has to show us. Yeah, and I'm, I'm also really excited to see another perspective in this because me and you have this great... Like, we've always been talking about movies, like, after we watch them or, like, yes. like comparing, like, notes on different movies that we've loved. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always fun to find another perspective on, uh, like, someone else who really understands and enjoys movies and writing and film right like filmmaking and things like that because like i notice certain things you notice certain things having another uh like perspective on things is gonna be really fun unfortunately i won't be in this one but i'm always looking forward to seeing another perspective so maybe i'll have some comments at some point or something about that or we'll all get together and uh like kind of grow this yeah and even later in september maybe uh especially for that yeah yeah we could talk about that feedback a little bit on the episode like before uh we get started yeah like show notes yeah like when we had that conversation with him on like he's been following along and listening and like he's he's been excited for certain things and he's watched certain movies like i'm really looking forward to another perspective on all this yeah absolutely Uh, because there's a lot to digest when we when you do these deep dives on these movies so and like we miss things everyone like someone else catches them we reminisce it's all great yeah yeah there's no wrong answers when you're doing podcasting yeah (laughs) yeah and and especially about movies because like everybody's seen so many movies there's always so much to talk about yeah absolutely and everybody has different tastes and i'm really excited to show you guys my taste in movies a little bit on the draft video and I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to watch the rest of the films on, on my list because yeah. I think there's some real gems there that may not get as much attention as they deserve. Fair. So, and I might have said too much already about my movies. So we're going to end her there, I think. I don't know anything about your movies at this point because I wasn't really listening to you. But <laughs> besides that, I'm excited. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that's the episode. Have a good one, everyone. I don't know why I struggled through that, but... Cheers. Yeah, have a good one.